Welcome to The Power of Data, the podcast by Dun & Bradstreet. Data is everywhere, and there is more created every second of every day. Join us to hear from leaders unlocking the value of data. Welcome to The Power of Data podcast. Today, we're at the British Chamber of Commerce Annual Conference in London, and we're joined by Terry Schooler. Terry is the chairman of the Institute of Export and International Trade and is currently Manufacturing Sector Policy Advisor to Santander. Welcome, Terry. Louise, thank you. I know you've got an impressive career across the manufacturing sector and beyond. Can you give our listeners a whistle-stop tour of your journey today by way of introduction? Louise, once again, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And yes, of course, uh, I started out life uh, at university being an economist. And, And that background training with some degree of statistics and econometrics has stayed with me, I suppose, for for the rest of my business life. But after that, I joined the army and was an infantry and paratroop officer, a bit of an an interesting angle uh, before I went into business. I think my formulative business career, 15 years or so, was with BA Systems, uh, international defense aerospace company, going up through the ranks to divisional director, then becoming managing director of a high-tech company, Ferranti Technologies, and then eight years leading one of the UK's biggest business groups in terms of the Engineering Employers Federation. So it's been fairly wide-ranging and, if I may say so, fascinating. I've learned a lot and hopefully now in the process of feeding something back. Not many people can say they've enjoyed, have had a fascinating career their whole life through, so that's quite an achievement. Can you tell us a bit more about your current role at the Institute and sort of the key priorities you and the Institute are focused on at the moment? I'm sure Brexit and coronavirus are, are top of mind at the moment, but it'd be great to find out a bit more about what you do there. I wondered how long it would be before the word Brexit and corona came into our debate here, and, it's, and quite rightly, they've come in for early on. Institute of Export and International Trade, very much what it says on the tin, encouraging, working with British businesses to become more productive, to expand their footprint and expand that globally, and in so doing, through, of course, the whole exporting agenda. And, of course, when you talk about trade, it's not just about exports, it's about facilitating those imports that come through global supply chains into making the whole economy work. And I think that you mentioned Brexit, a whole new ball game is about to open. I think the next nine months are going to be interesting to see where we get to the end of this year or rather the 1st of January next year. I suspect we'll develop that over the next few minutes and I'll come to Corona later. Thank you. I'm digging a bit more into sort of the, the Brexit piece and the impact on trade. We've obviously been through several years of uncertainty and, and British businesses and businesses elsewhere who are operating across borders have have not had that certainty around what it means for tariffs and cross-border trade. What's your view on the the level of potential disruption to supply chains and and sort of, from a trade perspective, access to other markets? It's an interesting one, and I think you used the term uncertainty. I think that must be the the understatement of the day, or or perhaps even the the last few days in terms of my engagement with people. There's been massive uncertainty. And I think that... That uncertainty will still prevail during the course of this year, during the transition period, as you have so rightly said. I think, however, my call to businesses is to be bold. Yes, I suspect there will be some disruption to not just what we call OEMs and supply chain companies, but I sense there will be some form of agreement going forward with the EU. Now, whether that 
is frictionless free trade, whether it covers the what we call the goods sector or the wider service sector, I think remains to be seen. If it is a Canada-type deal that appears to be getting the headlines now, then that is only for goods. It doesn't cover 80% plus of our economy. So I think that it will be challenging. But my message to businesses, once again, I use that word, be bold. And I think also that I think you have fed back to me in an earlier piece of correspondence with me that 90% of global growth will not come from continental Europe. It will come from the developing markets mm-hmm. around the world. Equally, for goodness sake, let us maintain and continue to develop that trade that we have with with the EU. Yeah, and some of the research and the analytics we've done as a company has shown, at Dun & Bradswick, we've shown that there's still a huge level of optimism and confidence, especially around the smaller businesses as well, which might be surprising to some people that, you know, people are just carrying on with their business and all the, the changes that come and the uncertainty they're managing them and things still need to happen. Things need to be sold. Things need to be moved around the world. And that sort of level of optimism and that boldness is probably there. Absolutely right. Of the five million or so British businesses, the vast majority, particularly the smaller business leaders, the businessmen and women out there, just want to get on with it. And I think in in no way, shape or form, Louise, do I mean to be political here, but I think there was a sense of a frustration, if not bordering in anger, that led to a very, very clear mandate for the new government or the existing government as was, now the new government, on the morning of the 13th of December, just to get on with it and manage it as best we can. Some of the messaging from some business leaders, some of the bigger business organisations, and one of them we are visiting here today, clearly are very concerned. But I think the, the heartbeat of British business is one of let's get on with it and an underlying confidence. That said, so-called business influencers from government down need to encourage them and give them some guidelines and help to do so. Talking about the, the way we trade internationally, regardless of Brexit, how do you think that has changed over the years and, and with your extensive experience in the manufacturing industry and beyond? How have you seen the way we trade changing? And we were talking to our economist this morning, for example, and he was saying that 10, 20 years ago, the, the percentage of world GDP that was concentrated around China, for example, was a lot smaller. And now borders are almost disappearing because a lot more businesses trade cross-border. Indeed. Welcome to the new global world. Yeah. It's been This has been happening steadily, what, since the early 1990s, and it will continue to happen. It is a global, diversified world. We are mutually dependent upon one another in terms of supplying goods and services and critically dependent on an ever-growing and more powerful, and I think we welcome that, mm-hmm. developing world as they grow their economy and and become ever more bigger industrial players. And with it, of course, they grow wealth, they grow prosperity, they grow this dreadful term middle class purchasing power, which we then in turn can benefit from. So I think to those people that are looking, and I would suspect there are not many, looking to deny these global changes, and by the way, something you are very, very keen on, the data that goes with it and the need to have that data and analyse it and go with it, my message would be wake up and smell the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's an interesting one. And equally, I think it does have to be managed and it does have to be managed with diplomacy and statesmanship. And when I look at some of the growing protective measures 
coming from a number of economies. And it's not just the United States. You look at China and indeed the EU. Growing protectionism, of course, can only act as a dampener on growing trade, global growth, and the need to interact. Thank you. Data and analytics can be more valuable than ever during uncertain times. The Dunn & Bradstreet team came together and asked ourselves, if we were a small business, what would we want right now? The answer? To use the DNB Business Essentials platform to find new customers and manage credit. Free for the first three months. To find out more, visit dnb.co.uk forward slash business essentials. We touched on data and the way that it can be used to support businesses. Obviously, it's something very close to our heart here at Dun & Bradstreet. Obviously, more data available than ever before in our, you know, in the wider world, in society at large. So much so, it's hard to make sense of it all. That increased access and availability to data, the increased transparency and open access, is that something that you're, you see as a positive thing, helping to sort of drive growth? I think the answer to that has got to be yes, but there's a but coming, yeah. as you can probably tell. I suppose we at the, the allegedly strategic end of business, as opposed to the practitioners of those who manage data, would be looking at what is data, how is it analysed, I suppose even before data, how is it inputted and gathered, what then is data, how is it analysed and, and determined, and then what does it lead to in terms of executive management and planning. So I think it's not just the word data that's important here, it's, it's all of that, how you get effective information from it and how you use it. That said, at its most basic, just some of the the data that you can gather in terms of, we referred a moment ago to trade flows, just ease of, of exporting, what is in a container, how full is it, where is it at any given point in the world, we referred to, to manufacturing and just a, a recent an engagement we had with the chairman of Rolls-Royce, just and particularly my own experience in Ferranti Technologies, when you're talking about safety critical systems, what we call man, I suppose now, woman in the loop, then the data you can gather about engine, where, the need to replace, the need to modify, the need to repair, all of that data is incredibly valuable, very welcoming, but it needs to be analysed and it needs to be applied through management. Yeah, so effective data management is really key. And we're looking at, you know, in our experience, that there's the non-traditional data, so there's all social media, there's the news hubs, there's and we're also looking at alternative sources of data and things like shipping data yeah. or weather data that have an impact on businesses. So it's it's looking at the much the wider picture. I think people are realising that that kind of information can help them make decisions. Absolutely. I think also it's not just, and when we associate data, we possibly tend to look at maybe consumption, maybe retail, maybe gathering market information on trends, what people are doing, what they're wearing, what they will do, based not only on historical data, but of course, as data and the application of it becomes ever more sophisticated, then you're almost indulging in the psychoanalysis of what people will be doing in the future based on trends. All that is important, but it's not just about consumption. It's not just about marketing. It does apply to every single sector that I've been involved in in, in my business career. That said, there's got to be a limit to what you can gather and how you use it. Yeah, there's so well much know. out there. <laughs> Our chief data scientist who we interviewed recently, actually, and he says it's it's impossible to measure it now. And when he sees like 
quotes about the amount of data out there in the world he always um, says like I don't know where they get this from because it's immeasurable now it's just out there it's it's a thing in the ether that no one can measure because it's such a huge amount of data. It's absolutely massive isn't it and I suppose therefore that raises the issue of opportunity in terms of it becomes ever more effective and intelligent as opposed to pure data but equally I suppose the more there is there is some form of greater risk that therefore the gathering of it the inputting of it allows some form of misinterpretation or error and the harder it is to analyze and i am going to go back to the c word in terms of coronavirus <laughs> and from your trade experience but also in the you know the manufacturing sector our latest data from Dun & Bradstreet has shown corporate liquidations are down in manufacturing, which is a positive signal. But going forward, the predictions are that looking at the next quarter's data, the picture might have changed. What are you hearing from businesses and, and partners that you're talking to about how the current situation with coronavirus is impacting their businesses? I think we're in unexplored territory here and we're still very much picking up information from, from businessmen and women. I mean, when I look, for example, at the Chinese, the recent Chinese PMI, what down from what, 52, 53, clearly in positive territory, north of 50, down to a shattering 35, yeah. then a big shift. huge, huge shift. What will be the knock-on effect of that in terms of their market, their ability to consume or desire to consume? Equally important of that, their ability to export. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're a huge export, including in, into the UK. Am I fearful? I think I've got to be fearful. But if I'm honest, I and I think even our, our government, which appears to be taking quite a robust leadership role here, not quite clear as to what that fear should mean in terms of, of action. I think in direct answer to your question, it's got surely to have an impact on our economic growth, an impact on our economic activity. To what extent that will mean what? Reduction in the 1.3% projected growth for this year. The welcome, very high level of employment we've currently yep. got with 37, 38 million people currently in employment. An incredibly low employment rate of 38 3.9%. I don't know. And therefore, I'd support government and support businesses in taking every reasonable precaution they can, even if those precautions were in the short term to further dampen economic growth at the expense or rather at the benefit of, of course, limiting the contagion of this virus. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting year, I think, for various different reasons. Difficult, and this is difficult this call, comes at a time that, yeah. that was a challenging time anyway, for UK and for the, the world economy, really. Yes. And I remember I was very heavily involved in the Brexit debate and campaigning to remain as CEO of the Engineering Employers Federation. And if I'm honest, I then became, following the referendum, I became a Brexiteer because that was a democratic vote at the time, mm -hmm. and it has not changed since then. And I think there will be a stutter. Brexit alone, particularly through some form of difficult, if non-existent, trade agreement by the end of this year, will have some impact on our economy going forward. But I do believe that we will weather that and come through that. I think it's difficult just to project what would happen with corona going forward? Yeah, it's an impossible. No one's got a crystal no, ball. And maybe we three should be sitting here today with masks on and gloves on. Yeah. Uh, but I take the view and I think, and in no way, shape or form do I criticise individuals for being careful or cautious, those particular who are vulnerable. But I do sometimes look at the herd stampede instinct and wonder if occasions we are 
just overstating this. I hope I am, but let us be cautious in any case. Great, thank you. And I know that we've got limited time today, but I just wanted to finish off with one final question. So we often ask our guests if there's one piece of advice that you could offer to our listeners, be they business leaders or industry stakeholders, what would that be? And whether that's something related to your role as international trade, but also as somebody who's an extremely experienced businessman, whether there's someone who's inspired you or or a piece of advice that you'd like to leave as a final Let me start with the last one first. Through the period of my army and business life, I can probably identify three individuals, obviously senior to me at that point in time, who just I looked up to, respected, and through their guidance and help, helped project me onto the next level, Mm -hmm. the next rung or rungs of my professional ladder. I will never forget their help and advice, and that is critical. Call it coaching, call it mentoring, call it what you will, but absolutely critical. And I think businesses need to look at that, and and, and I welcome it. I welcome it and hope in the businesses that I lead, we do that to some greater degree than lesser degree. I think messaging, throughout my business career, I have invested. And I think on occasions, you have to invest counter-cyclically. Markets, even in today's issues of Brexit and sadly Corona, markets will pick up. We will weather these so-called storms. Sadly, I notice that British business investment has been dropping off the last couple of years, down about 3.8% last year. Be bold, do invest, invest even when the signs are telling you not to invest, i.e. counter-cyclically, and have the courage to go on and run your businesses. And of course, businesses are all about people and just look after your people. Old-fashioned cliche, look after your staff and they will look after you. I love that. That's a nice message. Be bold to finish on. Thank you very much again, Terry. We've really enjoyed having you here today. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks. Find out more about how Dun & Bradstreet can help your business be better. Contact us at marketinguk at dnb.com. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts.